Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. It's a radio program dedicated to raising awareness of issues concerning animals. This includes advocacy, activism, protection, conservation and, importantly, appreciation. The show is broadcast from the 3CR studios in Melbourne on 855am and we're streamed live via the 3CR website. Recent podcasts are also available on the 3CR website, that's www.3cr.org.au, and Freedom of Species podcast website, that's www.freedomofspecies.org. And all previous podcasts are available by iTunes. So today we'll be speaking with Kristen Lee an organiser for the campaign Melbourne Against Horse-Drawn Carriages. It's a campaign that's been running for a few years now and has been building up steam and doing some great stuff. Kristen has a wealth of knowledge as an activist, having been involved in many campaigns working for animals um, and to liberate animals in various situations. Uh, for For several years now, Kristen has been involved in running Melbourne Against Horse-Drawn Carriages, Um, In Melbourne, Australia, like many other cities around the world, there are horse-drawn carriages that uh, take people on tours of the city. And the horses that are being used to draw these carriages are subject to dangerous environment with large and noisy vehicles, often stand harnessed in one spot for many hours on end and are ultimately forced to work for humans, which is detrimental for themselves and... Um, we should just be stopping that. So that's what Kristen's been trying to work on, getting Melbourne to stop using horses in the centre of the CBD. And Kristen's going to give us an update on some of the recent changes to the campaign and where it is heading in the future. Thanks for joining us, Kristen. Thanks, Adam. It's great to be back. And I just wanted to also introduce um, Nick Pendergrast. Nick is joining the Freedom of Species team and he is a sociologist, a Dr. Nick Pengeras, I should say. He's a sociologist and um, does uh, he works on on animal activism. That's where he did his PhD on. Uh, and he also runs a podcast called Progressive Podcast Australia, and is going to be a fantastic addition to the Freedom of Species team. So, welcome, Nick. Thanks, Adam. Big fan of the show. Big fan of Three CR. So great to be a little part of it. Yeah, great. And so let's let's get started. I reckon I'm really keen to hear how um, Melbourne against horse-drawn carriages is going. Uh, so, can Kristen, can you just provide some background about the campaign? Where did it start? How long ago? I think it's been quite a few years now, if I remember correctly. Like, what was the impetus? Uh, we launched coming up to four years ago now. Um, we over the summer of 2013-14, we noticed on social media there was a huge outcry regarding some horses used by the carriage industry being kept in some inner city yards um, that essentially looked like a junk heap. Um, And there was a photo of those horses posted and and lots of sort of comments against what was going on and these horses appeared to not have access to any water um, and were in a a lot where they could not graze whatsoever. There was not a a shred of grass. So... um, So we were just sort of, myself and a few others were following this and thought, um, well, this is clearly, you know, not a great situation for those horses. So we spent um, about three or four months researching the industry, um, tracking sort of um, what went on on a daily basis and and the rotation systems they had as best we could, where they were kept at night, how they were treated um, when they were being forced into the city the long hours they had to work. The City of Melbourne had a code of practice in place for them at the time. So we spent, um, yeah, quite a few months researching and then launched the campaign approximately four years ago. Um, 
our motivation, aside from seeing um, a public support for the campaign to to ban horse-drawn carriages from the City of Melbourne, was obviously um, uh, knowing that um, aside from us thinking it was a, a, a winnable campaign for the horses, um, also you know, that, that feeling that you can't stand back and do nothing when you see cruelty happening and um, and and also recognising that aside from the welfare uh, implications for these horses, um, if we are still using horses to pull horse, you know, to pull carriages in the centre of one of the busiest, you know, tram routes of the world um, and a very busy city that's growing by the day, if we can't abolish that I mean what can we abolish in the sense of you know um, the use of animals in the world so um, I felt we had to do something and um, yeah here we are. Yeah I suppose the exposure of horses in the city they're very visible Mm. to the three million people four million people that inhabit Melbourne um, city every year yeah and it's a very public display of our our oppression of another individual exactly. like of, of horses in particular exactly. so being able to build off of that that very visible presence of the horse in the city mm. almost part of part of melbourne city in their advertising and things like that you see them in ads and things where people are trotting along with these poor horses pulling carriages mm. um, in their promotional material yeah i think you're right getting if we can't get rid of that what yeah. can we get rid yeah. of it's it's such a and auxiliary use. And we all obviously um, recognise or expect there to be no use of animals, but mm. for people who do use animals, it seems like that that use of horses in drawing carriages around a city mm. is just absolutely unnecessary, surely. Yeah, exactly. And it, it just perpetuates this belief, particularly in children, that animals exist to serve us. I mean, it's such a display, such a visual display of of oppression for animals and, you know, the chunk of metal shoved in their mouth and the, the reins and the the whip they use on them and the, the carriage tied to their back and, and them being tied to a post all day, literally tethered. I mean, if that was a dog or if that was a bear or if that was a monkey – there would be an outrage, but because we've been seeing this for so long and it's so normalised in, in at least our Western culture and, and in other cultures around the world that a horse exists to work for the human, mm. um, you know, part of, you know, the process of the liberation of animals is to remove this norm- normalising it. Um, and I can't think of anything that normalises the use of animals more publicly than the horse and carriage in the centre of the CBD. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you mentioned about it being so open, and that is, I guess, a difference compared to a lot of other issues which are behind very mm. well closed doors. Uh, I think probably a major issue why it is so in the open but still carries on to a degree anyway or has some public support is the fact that a lot of people just see horses riding and don't see that as fundamentally a problem. So mm. if they saw someone hitting a horse, something they'd step in or whatever. So, yeah, do you have a tough time to convincing the public that – yeah, it's not just an issue of when there's a specific act of cruelty, but actually, yeah, this is wrong in itself. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, there is the obvious things that we see as, well, if we can't end this, how can we anything? But then when you see, you know, factory farming and slaughterhouses and all this horrific treatment of animals as well, yeah, you think, oh, that's it could go the other way where you're like, well, what's quite, yeah, what's quite wrong with this? But um, so we have highlighted when we've seen horses punched in the face in the middle of Flinders Street, we definitely have highlighted that when we saw a horse hit by a tram we've highlighted that as the day you know the risks to these horses and the cruelty they suffer but have also really had that underlining message as much as we can um that aside from that even if you know those things did not happen their life is essentially to be a slave to the human for this mundane activity and really trying to to um, I hope we've done a good job at least we've really tried to make an effort to to highlight that oppression and exploitation um, you know aside from just the welfare issues that come with it so reminding people that animals are not ours and using statements such as that um, you know focusing on the implements used to control and dominate them has been really important too so so the all the instruments I used before and then in other activities you know the spur and things like that like with um with rodeos and horse racing and things so um yeah it's it's subtle you know um manipulation and domination that that we really want to highlight but as um some activists would say 
creates them to be an empty shell of themselves almost. I mean, there's no freedom of expression there. They can barely move their heads when they're tethered to those posts for those long hours. And that's the real crux of it for me and where the passion lies for me, definitely. Mm. And so what techniques are you using in the campaign to uh, get this message out and to try and end the use of horse-drawn carriages in Melbourne? Uh, So we've had sort of two main um, objectives. One is public awareness, um, so which we've sort of spoken about and, and, and use social media and rallies to do that mostly in the city with outreach, leafleting, holding signs. Um, and then the second side has been the lobbying of the City of Melbourne, which has been an essential part of what we've done. Um, so we've we, I mean, we would hope that we could change the public's view overnight, um, but these things take a long, long time, as we've seen. So it was essential for us to actually get laws changed to make, you know, to get these um, horses out of the city of Melbourne as quickly as possible. So there was a lot of pressure put on Robert Doyle through um, the last local elections and prior and the build up to that, the few years build, build up to that. And so Robert, a, Robert Doyle was the uh, the Lord Mayor of Melbourne. Melbourne yep. Yeah. And uh, and so lots of emailing, lots of letter writing, lots of um, rallying outside the front of the town hall, um, lots of highlighting that they weren't taking any responsibility for the dangers that were being posed to the public with horses spooking and the dangers being ho- um, to the horses themselves um, and really highlighting that tourists, because it's a tourist trade ultimately and for people coming into town from out of town, uh, locals in that sense, but really highlighting that um, the people of Melbourne really didn't like seeing this and that many people actually avoid that area of Swanson Street um, to not see what's going on. So we really wanted to highlight that to them because when we – and it was amazing seeing the change in the, the meetings we had. Firstly, it was we don't see a problem. It's fine. Melbourne people love them. Then the second was, look, we recognise there's some issues um, – but, um, you know, we still we are overseeing it with this code of practice, which was absolutely pathetic. Um, if anyone wanted to look it up online, it offered no protection to those horses anyway. And then the third um, meeting, sort of the tone had completely changed to, okay, this is a real issue for the city of Melbourne and we're looking into what, what we're going to do to ban the street trading permits. Our ultimate aim was to ban the street trading permits, which we've now succeeded on, which I guess we'll get into. Yeah. yeah well, maybe you give the latest on the legality of it because I did hear a while ago that it had been banned, but we mm-hmm. still see the horses around in certain places so maybe it's the latest on the the legal or otherwise status sure. of what's going on yeah Let, let's um let's go to a song oh, first sorry, and yeah. then we'll get into the <laughs> yeah. into the um the latest update of what's going on there in the um show for horses in melbourne <laughs> sorry about that uh so you've you've offered you've brought some songs along um the first one we'll listen to is no no yo-yo uh, by Standish and Carl Lyon from the album Deleted Scenes. Did you just want to tell us about that song, why you chose that song? Uh, yeah, this is a band I saw in Melbourne a few years ago, um, a local band, I'm pretty sure. So I just sort of brought in some music to highlight. One, a big part of our campaign is also to educate to people, um, people that there's other forms, many forms of cruelty-free entertainment in the city of Melbourne, and one of those has been to support our live music scene. So, um, you know, obviously my style of music isn't going to be the same as everyone else's, but this is this is an example of a band I would go to see. But obviously there's lots of other styles of bands that people can go and see, and then for more I guess family friendly entertainment we've been highlighting um, you know the activities that happen during the day and in the earlier evening for children so this is just an example of one of you know the local the local accessible acts that you can go and see in Melbourne as a cruelty free form of entertainment cool OCR, the perfect companion in your car on your road trip. You can stream radio straight into your car. Straight in. Like 3CR gets streamed straight into your car. Keeping you company. No matter where you're going or what you're doing, you'll have something interesting in your ear. That's correct. And you can Bluetooth it and you can just stick it right into you. (laughs) Is any kind of attachment you want? (laughs) To subscribe to 3CR, unwaged is $35. Yes. Yes. Waged? 
75. And solidarity. 150. 150. That's pretty reasonable to help keep 3CR on air. Call 3CR 9419 and... Subscribe. Subscribe today. Subscribe now. When I'm on a road trip, I want to take 3CR with me and listen to Rock and Roll. You're listening to Freedom Species on 3CR, 855 AM. And that was No No Yo-Yo by Standish and Carl Lyon. Uh, And we're speaking with Kristen Lee from Melbourne Against Horse-Drawn Carriages. And we were just talking, Kristen, uh, about some of the tactics that you've been using in the campaign over the last four years. And also, it's sort of you started to talk about different aspects of the campaign. There's the public that you need to speak to. You were talking to the council as well, trying to get laws and bylaws changed. Who else are you speaking to? How many different facets are in this campaign? It seems like it's quite complex. Yeah, um, I mean, the main focus was City of Melbourne and the public, but um, we expanded that reasonably early on as well to Vic Roads and the Victorian Police and um, and more so more recently, which we'll get into, I guess, with the state government, um, mainly because there's sort of different levels in in what the council um, will can do immediately, I guess, and and I think they downplay their power in a lot of ways in in their influence with the state government, um, with the local police. Um, but essentially, because they don't want to deal with it, they would just say, well, this originally it was there's nothing we can do. They are, are legally allowed on the road as 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 a Vic Roads road safety law, as a state government road safety law. So there's nothing we could do. And we would say, but you can abolish the street trading permits. You're essentially, um, you know, uh, supporting this trade by having those permits in place. And their argument would be, well, with the permits, we can then install, um, a, a, sorry, um, enforce a code of practice. Um, so, sorry. Can you just um, explain the the street trading permits? What are they exactly? So they were a permit that allowed a carriage operator to street trade in the sense that so if – so I guess it stops anyone um, from – it's a City of Melbourne um, initiative and it, and it prevents anyone from going and setting up a business on the corner of the street without without a permit. So mm-hmm. to go and actually publicly sell any, any kind of um, – object or experience or yeah. whatever it might be, coffee cart, whatever, you can't just go and do that. So you, you need a permit. So the carriage operators need that. Um, they, from what I can tell, they never had that in the past. They've been operating in the city for about 30 years and the city and just, just you know, with no kind of legal right um, and it's only been since they've been causing a problem and they've been getting a lot of complaints that I think it was back in 2011 the City of Melbourne put in place a code of practice and a street trading agreement to oversee that was overseen by the RSPCA and the Victoria Police, um, but essentially written by the carriage operators themselves, and they just signed off. So it could they could say to people who were concerned, "Oh, look, we've got this piece of paper that protects the horses from cruelty, and um, uh, you know." Um, addresses public safety concerns and everything's okay. And we exposed and proved that that code of practice was, wasn't was worth a thing. And like, like most codes of well, – yeah. all codes of practice within animal agriculture exactly. and animal, I mean, animal industries. Exactly. All, Essentially yeah. they exist to make everyone feel better, but if you really read between the lines and do the research, that they're doing the opposite mm. for the animals. So, um, so yeah, so um, the, the City of Melbourne were correct in saying that um, they don't have the right to re- – remove them from the roads, but they do have the legal ability to remove those street trading permits, which they have now done. So street trading is now illegal in the CBD. However, pre-bookings, so if someone pre-books this Friday night, they want to go on a horse and carriage, they can still do that and the horse and carriage can go and pick them up from their hotel or wherever it it might be. Okay. Um, So, and you you mentioned in the CBD, so the CBD, Central Business District of Melbourne, mm. is that change outside of the CBD? Oh, sorry, I should clarify. I mean, City of Melbourne over CBD, but that's where they concentrate. So the City of Melbourne, anywhere within that City of Melbourne, you know, as far as Carlton and, and Port Melbourne, um, and and North and West Melbourne, that the the jurisdiction of the City of Melbourne local council is where they can no longer street trade. As far as I'm aware, there's no street trading permits in other local. Um, uh, areas local council areas uh but um i mean 
the Vic Rhodes issue is interesting because Vic, every time we write a letter to Vic Rhodes of complaint, and all, lots of people are, like it's, this isn't us, this is a, a, an issue for a lot of people, um, we're just helping guide them on what to do. Um, the Vic Rhodes will, com- will respond and say, this is a local council issue whenever we get a – so this has now taken that away because we can say, no, the local councils actually remove the street trading permits. They're now street trading illegally. This is a state government issue now. Um, and even Vic Police will palm it back to Vic Rhodes and City of Melbourne and City of Melbourne will palm it to Vic Rhodes and Vic Police. Like I could show you three emails all saying the same thing and just handballing it. It's all just bureaucracy and no one wants to deal with the issue. So, um, yeah, I think they all underplay the power and influence they could have if they just sat down and had a meeting and got this sorted. Or they're using that handballing to get out of doing anything in, Absolutely. in particular. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And- I was going to say that the lack of enforcement, because I have seen, I've been going by along Swanson Street, people have been holding signs like this This is breaking the law. So is that sort of a uh, frustration, lack of enforcement, that you're sort of trying to publicly shame them, I yeah. guess, rather than go through the law? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, we we got the law changed and they're still doing it. So it feels like, it has felt like at the start at least, that the City of Melbourne just thought they could sort of say, oh, we've removed the street trading permits and we'll all go away. I mean, we're there seeing them illegally street trade and illegally park and still breaking road safety laws every single day. Every day we go in there, they're still doing it. So um, it's now where they have to enforce their own law and they're not doing that. I, I believe they're having some difficulties in legalities of how to do that. I think they don't have as much power as um, they uh, we are led to believe in a local law enforcement sense. Um, so we've just been um, – oh, hello, a little doggy just walked into the studio. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've been we've been um, trying to – we've been highlighting absolutely that um, <laughs> that uh, the, they're, they're illegally trading um, constantly and the council is doing nothing about it. The good news is now that we've been informed that the city of Melbourne – the Victorian police are actually finally getting involved – so that that's good. And what does that look like? Um, well, we've when we've called the City of Melbourne, usually they've said, oh, we'll send someone down and we'll move them on. They show up, they move them on, they don't find them. And now they're actually saying, if it's after hours, can you please call Triple O, which sounds frustrating because Triple O is an emergency number and these aren't always emergencies. Sometimes they are blocking traffic and causing a road hazard, but sometimes it's a call because they're illegally parked and that might not necessarily be an emergency. It might be causing some hazard but not necessarily emergency. Um, so, But the, when I've called Triple O and I've said, I'm sorry to call you for this, but this is what the City of Melbourne have asked me to do, they've said, no, 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 it's good. This is a road hazard and we need to know about it and please keep calling. So that's what we need people to be doing is to be calling and reporting to them because I, I think they're finally seeing that this is out of control and, it's, and, and something needs to be done. So is that outside of council hours, council like working day business hours. Yeah. So yeah. nine to five outside of nine to five or maybe eight thirty to mm. five thirty you call triple zero if you see a carriage in the CBD on the uh, road? That's, uh, no, that's not on the road. That's, that's um, yeah, illegally parked or illegally trading. Um, I would recommend still calling the council number, which is 9658 first, because they will log the complaint mm-hmm. and then they can use that as evidence to show that this is going on. And then if they don't have a local – because sometimes they do have after-hours officers on and they will use them, but if they don't, they will resort to the Victorian police. So I would, I would do the, the council number first and be directed from there. Okay. So it sounds like things are certainly moving along. It's sort of gotten to a point where people see that something needs to happen, but they're not quite ready to enforce it. What is it that, that stops them from enforcing? Why, why are they not enforcing the rules and regulations on the carriage, carriage industry? Um, what power does the carriage industry have? I suppose we can't speak too specifically, but what is it? that stops people stopping them? It's really hard to know at the start. This is kind of quite shocking really, but we've been told by both Victoria Police and local council that um, the operators are scary and they've had death threats from them. So um, we – I don't know – I know that we have had death threats. I know that people involved in the campaign have had death threats and threats of physical violence. Um, to hear that authorities are getting those threats, um, big police haven't said they've had them directly. They've said they've they are aware of death threats happening, and um, council have had threats of violence. So, 
there, I think there's a bit of intimidation and fear there. There's a couple of crazy sort of operators there who just sort of um, fly off the handle a little bit um, and that's no good. And But I think at the end of the day if um, there's ways to deal with that and we can't just sort of allow people who are making threats to sort of get around and, you know, throw their weight around and and allow these animals to be the victims in the process, we need to stand up and do something. So um, I think there's a bit of fear and intimidation and I also think there's just, look, they don't see it as a big an issue as we do and they think that there's other things they need to be dealing with potentially. I think, I'm think i pretty sure local laws officers are pretty low in numbers. Mm. I think there's only a few to see, oversee the entire city. So I guess um, having the numbers to do something's difficult and they just think they can keep, like a lot of things, you know, they think they can put it on the back burner and people will go away. So it's... A lot of it is just about being consistent and sustained in the campaign to show we're not going away. Yeah, great. And you've been doing that for four years, so yeah. it's really good. Um, we'll go to a second song, and this one's by Adolita. Adolita. Adolita, and it's called Blue Sky from the All Day Venus um, soundtrack. And here it is. And I don't even get my sorry, no, no You're listening to Freedom of Species, and that last song was Blue Sky by Adelita. And we're joined in the studio today by Kristen Lee from Melbourne Against Horse-Drawn Carriages. And also in the studio is the newest FOS member, uh, Nick Pendergrast. So we've been talking about the Melbourne Against Horse-Drawn Carriages campaign and what you've been doing in the campaign, how it's been going over the last four years. Things seem to have um, changed recently with a uh, change in the removing the permits uh, for horse-drawn carriages in Melbourne, Melbourne, City of Melbourne, which is a great um, thing to come out of the campaign. Um, but there's also, you recently got a personal safety intervention order as part of this this campaign. Can you just tell us a little bit about what that is? Again, no specifics, but what does that mean? What is a personal safety intervention order? Why has that come about? And um, and what do you think it means for animal activists? Sure. Um, so when um, we had this, um, what we'd call a win with council, where the street trading permits were removed after, at that point, over three years of campaigning, and a big part of that win also meant they lost... Um, uh, priority parking or, or legal being able to legally park on Swanson Street there between Flinders Street and Flinders Lane, which was known especially for cyclists and tram drivers as being an absolute disaster zone for carriages to be lined up and obviously turned out um, got a lot of media where a horse got smashed in the head by a moving tram. Um, so losing that um, that uh, prime, primary location to trade was a big blow to the industry. Um, and they've now have some reserve spaces um, up at NGV to park. Um, so obviously that's a, a blow to the industry and um, uh, that obviously doesn't make them happy. So um, I believe the, 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 P, the PSIO, the Personal Safety Intervention Order, put out against me came from a, a particular driver in a particular company um, about six weeks after that ban, maybe even sooner. So 
to me, it was a, a clear um, indication of a way of silencing my work and our work. The the um, personal safety intervention order essentially is a, an order by, made by the court to protect someone who fears for their own safety. Um, and uh, there are restrictions within that, so how close one can go to that person, what one can say about that person, information they can share, um, uh, digital media images of a particular person and things like that. So when you consider a huge part of our campaign has been documenting the um, illegal activities, there were illegal activities going on before the street trading permits were taken away, which we were, which were breaches of the code of practice and breaches of road safety laws. And then since the street trading permits have been taken away, even more breaches of, of laws, so the illegal street trading and illegal parking that now goes on. So um, to have this personal safety intervention order taken out against me was certainly going to inhibit the effectiveness of the work I could continue doing and the campaign could continue doing um, because I'm the campaign manager and I cannot direct anyone to do things I cannot do myself as well. So um, it was clearly a, a silencing of freedom of speech, freedom of peaceful protest and nonviolent direct action in my view. And um, uh, um we decided that we should fight that, um, both for the sake of this campaign and for the sake of um, animal activism and peaceful protest and activism in general. Yeah, so what, can you expand on that a little bit? What what could it mean for animal activism if... Um, so you're in the process of fighting this, are you? No, we've finished we've that finished. now. Yeah, the court proceedings are finished. Um, I guess it would set a precedent in a lot of ways if this was to... Um, stick on on me for the the time of two years that was asked so um it would set a precedent for the animal exploitation industries to um this is an easy way to silence silence activists um in this campaign particularly you're more of a target i guess because it is quite direct you're going Mm. to where the the um the exploitation is occurring continuously with the same operators so it's an easier way to make such claims against some someone um i guess with other thing other investigations and undercover investigations and things um it's obviously not going to be quite valid but for this more direct um going to where the workers are and things it's it certainly uh, puts activists at risk of this um and the original order was particularly bad because it not only prevented me going near this particular person, um, it also prevented me um, sharing information um, or um, going near anyone that worked within the same company of this person. And if you look at the carriages, their company names aren't on them. So it would be very easy for me to unintentionally breach this personal safety intervention order because Mm. I wouldn't know uh, who's who. And I still don't know who's who exactly. I've got an idea of some of them I I know, but um, they can hire new staff on any given day. And I would therefore, if I was just there taking a photo from a distance within so many metres and then sharing that image online to say, this driver just um, illegally traded or just did an illegal U-turn or just hit a, you know, hit a horse in the face or whatever it might be on any given day, um, I could be in breach of that order, which obviously is risky for me. So, yeah, we, um, we had to do something. And what has are you allowed to speak about what's happened? Sure, yeah. So I, I can I am limited, I guess, to a certain extent what I can say, but we, we did go to court um, and uh, we fought that and we didn't win the case, unfortunately, which is, is hard to discuss. I could rant about the process for a long time, um, but I'm advised not to. But it was it was an awful experience and it was a single magistrate and the, the, um, the person and myself and um, I, it's yeah. hard to okay. say, but I, I, without, you know, with sort of, you know, going a broader picture, you can imagine when it's someone's opinion based on two sides of a story um, where that could go. There's no jury. Um, I can say that there was absolutely no evidence to substantiate the claims made against me, which were ridiculous. Um, I was accused of... Um, threatening to um, to harm this person physically, um, to do things that I don't even know how to do in the sense of um, uh, breaking, uh, breaking car brakes or something. I wouldn't even know how to do that. Um, throwing food at this person, spitting on this person, no witnesses, no dates could be provided, no times, um, nothing, um, and it sadly was believed. Um, I did the best to prove that 
this campaign has always been very strictly um, non-violent and do not engage with the carriage operators. That's been our um, our uh, motto from the word go. Um, I had people that have been involved in and worked with me over the years in animal rights campaigns and this one and others who vouched for my commitment to that and how strict I've been on that with people and um, I've never accepted any kind of engagement that is in any way confrontational. Um, but sadly, um, it wasn't to be believed. Um, however, it was still worth going because we did get some of the restrictions that were way too heavy on the PSIO reduced. So rather than um, the company uh, me not being able to, to the, the the PSIO extending to the entire company, it's now just to this particular person, which means I'm at less risk of being in breach of, of this um, just by simply walking in the city, which obviously mm. I'm going to need to do for lots of reasons, not just this campaign. So, yep. so um, it was still worth fighting on that ground. And also to make the statement that when these things happen, we're not just going to roll over and accept them. We're going to fight them as best we can. Yeah, it's an interesting tactic um, of using as as the the lead campaigner of the campaign, um, and it could easily sort of if you if you were taken out of the equation, it might mean the campaign becomes less effective mm. um, through your management and delegation. Yeah, um, so it, it's an interesting tactic on their regard in their in their um, regard if that's what they were going for. Mm. Um, it's possible that they felt threatened um, sure, as an yeah, individual. Absolutely. But, um, and and um, I, you know, need to look at as an activist, the, the intention of this campaign was never been to make any individual, like it was actually intentional to never highlight particular individuals and particular companies because our issue isn't with the individuals, it's with the system. Mm. So it's actually been a tactic from the word go do not use company names, do not use drivers. Even when we've posted pictures of drivers breaching laws, there's never been an intention to put the camera on their face. Um, with this particular person, the images um, were uh, that have been posted online have been from a distance to a point where you wouldn't even know who the person was and one of them I didn't even know who the person was. Um, and uh, and others the, where the, the face has been um, like there was five out of hundreds probably thousands that have been posted so it's certainly never been to to focus in on anyone in particular it's just been literally there's an illegal activity that's been documented and shared to prove that this industry needs to come to an end yeah and i think that's a good point we're not targeting people no we're targeting the practices and the oppression of other animals and that's that's what we want to end exactly and i i mean maybe it's naive of me and i think unfortunately i don't like to admit but i think my views changed overall on people in these industries slightly and i'm trying to hang on to that positivity but um my position even with this campaign has always been um you know, there'll be the bad, you know, pe- the people that are worse in the sense of, you know, the punching and the twisting of the ears and the, the neglect to a higher level and things. Um, and there are people that are involved that that's what they've always done and that's what they know and um, and never trying to sort of belittle or intimidate those people because a, a true understanding in my heart that we can all change and that we can all learn that that the things that have been ingrained in us, you know, family businesses and things raised in these businesses, that um, this is normal. So to try to be open to educating those people mm. as well and hoping to, to connect to their hearts too. Um, yeah. I, I kind of can't – like what I've seen and I guess um, over the four years of running this campaign, I'm struggling to hang on to that position but I'm really, really trying to. <laughs> <laughs> it, can be, it can be trying, can't it? Yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. when you see it so often and so regularly. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. really difficult. And I mean, at the end of the day, they are being used as commodities. And even the operators that I thought were the the, the better of bad, I've seen them send their horses to the sale yards as soon as they can no longer use them. And they're sold off to the highest bidders um, with no concern as to where they're going and how they're going to be treated or if they're going to live or die. So mm. yeah, I, I'm finding it yeah, it's difficult to to hang on to that that feeling anymore. But at the end of the day, it won't affect the way I campaign, and I will still always be on on the um the system, not the individuals. And I think I think that point that you make that the even at at the end of um the working life of these individuals, they just send them off without any thought or or whatever. I suppose we we can't say what they are thinking, so, but mm. they do send them to sale yards. Um, it sort of speaks to that larger issue that. 
really what you're campaigning against is the use of animals in general. Um, yeah. And th- this is a single-issue campaign around mm-hmm. horse-drawn carriages in Melbourne. Yeah. What do you think – do you try to draw in or use that um, broader messaging that we should be stopping the use of animals mm. um, in the campaign or is it very focused on horse-drawn carriages? Yeah, no, we definitely try to use it. So, um, so there will be people that support the campaign who might not – yet sort of be in that place where they want to end the exploitation of all animals but they connect with this particular campaign and they're more than welcome to come along they can come to our rallies and they can hold a sign and um and everything but we would hope with engaging those people that we can then you know get through to them on on other levels of the use of animals and the exploitation in general like a lot of people might say oh I'm fine with you know them pulling carriages out in the country but you know they shouldn't be in the CBD and that's a valid position and I can understand that um in the sense that there are higher risks in the being in the CBD so I can see how they've come to that conclusion but I would always still say to those people whether it's discussing this online or, or in person you know, that why do we need to do this at all and and is that really for the benefit of the animal or for the human? I mean, are we really, when you really think about it, who who are we doing that for? And I can't understand that it's, I certainly can't see that it's for them. So the idea would be to get through to them on that level. But even in the broader messaging, we've been, there's been no sneaky little, oh, we're a welfare, you know, we're pretending we care about the horses, sore legs on the hard surfaces, but really we're trying to be, Mm. you know, end animal exploitation. We're very open about it and we're proud to be of that position. And we think the more that people can be open and proud of that position, the sooner we'll get to where we're trying to go. Yeah, absolutely. I was keen to talk a little bit about alternatives. You mentioned live music was one. I've also seen the rickshaws, the horse, like, sorry, the, the bikes maybe are quite a good one if you like getting pulled yeah. around. Uh, yeah, hopefully they're not getting whipped and then that's all fine. <laughs> no. But um, yeah, and more consensual in that case. Yes. But yeah, any other alternatives that either you suggest to people in the campaign or just you'd like to suggest to listeners now in terms of hopefully after hearing all this, they're not thinking I want to go to horse-drawn carriage. But yeah, if anyone thinks it seems like a nice idea or knows people who might, what they they can suggest in place? Sure. Um, well, there's Acme just across the road from where they're often parked, which is a fantastic entertainment complex and often has kids' activities. Um, there's the NGV gallery down the road, which is family-friendly and often also has kids' activities. I mean, there's a, it's not always kids. I mean, there's lots of couples. There's lots of, um, you know, elderly groups that go on these carriages too. So, um, so yeah, um, it doesn't necessarily have to have kids' activities going on. But, um, yeah, the NGV is a great spot. There's obviously cinema. We have film festivals. We have comedy festivals. We have the Botanical Gardens. We have Birrarung Ma. We have... Um, uh, you know, vegan food restaurants going on everywhere. We have um, bars, we have nightlife. I mean, Melbourne is just a metropolis for fantastic cruelty-free entertainment. Yeah, and I mean, a horse-drawn carriage is limited to the roads and maybe some larger paths in the um, gardens around the city. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jump on a bike or go for a ride. Good for your physical activity. We all need to get more physical activity. And you get to see more of the city. Go Jump on a bike. You can hire a bike in the CVD on one of those bike stands Mm. for a couple of bucks. Ride yep. along the ride along the Yarra River. Beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um, I think there's canoeing or something along the Yarra somewhere yeah. down mm. there. Um, there's obviously rock climbing in the CBD as well. I think there's a, is there skateboarding still somewhere. Mm. Um, uh, there's is the Fairy Garden still around? I don't. No I don't idea. in the Fitzroy Gardens. <laughs> is it the Fairy Tree or something? I'm not sure. Plenty of plenty of things kid, that we can. Yeah. We can there <laughs> plenty of things we can be doing instead yeah, of absolutely. Um, using horses to mm. drag us around a city. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. I don't know, for me it's a bit tacky, but that's just a personal, mm-hmm. aside from all the, you know, cruelty I I see. I think it's just a bit, I don't know, it's quite expensive and you just sort of half an hour you go up to the gardens or back. There's a free tram that can take you around the city as well, um, Perfect, you know, yeah. rather than spending over $100 for a half an hour trip. Yep. Cool. And so where's the campaign headed? What's next and how can people um, get involved? Uh, so we um, are really wanting to focus at the moment on um, uh, people observing illegal parking and illegal street trading, documenting where possible and calling uh, the local council on 9658-9658 to report that and they will log that complaint and ideally go down and move the operator on and ideally find them because that's the problem as well. They're not finding them as far as we're aware. They're just moving them on. And hence when the op- when the local laws officer moves away, they go straight back to doing the same thing. So um, 
I think the more pressure and the more calls, um, the more likely we are to, to um, for them to start acting. Uh, from there, if you have documented and even if you ha- haven't documented what they're doing, um, it's gr- there's a number of um, emails I can I will share on the Horse Strong Courage page again. That's Melbourne Against Horse Strong Courage is on Facebook. Um, I did a post earlier about this interview, so I'll put in the comments there of um, the emails that you can contact at Vic Roads, Vic Police, City of Melbourne and the State Government. Um, there is a state election coming up this year, so that'll be a good way to pressure mm, the, the Labor government as well to, to get active on this issue. Um, and uh, we will um, uh, the, the idea of that would be to highlight the safety risks, to highlight the concerns for the animals and to, to highlight that they are not that they should not be above the law. Why are they above the law? Um, they're clearly not listening to the new regulations so um something should be done Mm. so that's that's moving forward as far as rallies go we'll still do them occasionally um and they are important um we've also been taking since the original um ban on the street trading last year we've been um we were going to the carriages and standing near them to leaflet and to tell people this is now illegal. I'm just letting you know street trading is now illegal for these reasons, cited by the Lord Mayor Robert Doyle, um, and for these reasons, cited by us. And um, if you do get on, you may be engaging in an illegal activity and letting people know that. And if they decide to get on still, we step away and we allow them to do that. That has led to some confrontation on the part of the customers and the carriage operators. So it is a difficult thing to do, um, but we see it as an important part of the campaign as well. Um, but the real, really important thing is um, is to is to make these phone calls. That's that's the main thing. And there are people out there doing that, and I want to say a big thank you to them because it really is because of the public support and the pressure that we've put on that we are getting traction in this area. And just quickly um, before we wrap up, you've been involved in a lot of campaigns. Uh, for animals and this is just one of them which you have managed for several years now do you have one or two points that you'd make to someone who's interested in starting a a campaign on a on a local issue yes do your research first as much as possible it's so important because once an industry knows they're on the watch they change things and that's good because we want them to change things we want them to tidy things up and we want them to improve um the care they're giving the animals but it's also important to show what was going on before they knew they were on the radar so doing your background and having your facts of course is really important um and uh i guess um i think sitting down and working out what is going to be most effective in the shortest amount of time. We've got limited funds. We've got limited time. Um, so really focusing on um, having a plan in place of what your goal is short-term, medium-term and long-term um, and following that as best you can. You know, you don't have to stick to it. Things can change along the way. But having a really clear idea of what you're trying to achieve out of your campaign in the direct um, – uh, instance and in the broader instance. So I guess for this, um, you know, as much as our direct instance was to remove those street trading permits and then step two to now get them off the roads entirely, mm. um, uh, you know, we've we've stuck to um, uh, and and that's helped guide and give it and give it a sustained focus. So you're not jumping all over the shop and that um and it's so far showing to to work as far as my experience goes. Um, there was a we don't have time but there was a bunch of people I wanted to thank so I'm going to who donated to the court yeah. case um we don't have time to do that now cuz there's 71 people donated oh, and I'm wow. not going to go through that list here but um I'll do a feed on the Facebook page to thank everyone because it was the only reason we were able to to get these um changes and to challenge this um was through their donations and also a big shout out to Daniel Beecher at Phoenix Legal Solutions who um wasn't able to rep- represent me um on the days of the case but was there where he could be and did all the background work pro mm. bono and all the follow-up work pro bono so a big shout out and thank you to him yeah great mm. and before we wrap up uh just wanted to mention a couple of things um the new documentary coming out in about a month and a half dominion is going to be a really important one to see for those who can um stomach the the quite confronting footage that we often find it's a it's an expose of australia's use of animals in all types of um, animal industries and is premiering in australia uh in melbourne at the astor theater 
So I'm pretty sure it's the Astor, is it? Yep, Astor Theatre, Thursday, 29th of March at 6pm. And probably the easiest way to find is just look up Dominion World Premiere on Facebook and all the details and links to buy tickets and all that kind of thing are there. Yeah, and we mentioned that because it will be packed. There will be plenty of people going to that. It's going to be quite a quite a one to see. The other thing I wanted to mention is next month, the 17th of March, is the start of that horrific time of year, the duck season. So if you are inclined to be saving ducks and to be um, helping those people who are saving ducks out on the wetlands, then check it out. Find someone, um, maybe check out Victorian Duck Rescue online somewhere, Google search, but that's a month away. And always the more people, the better. That's something that needs to be gone. Duck hunting is archaic and should not be allowed in our state. All right. Anyone else got any other announcements before we head off? I was going to say just final thought. Um, yeah, I really like your points about the short-term victories because it kind of seem overwhelming. Like we want animal liberation. We haven't got it yet. But <laughs> it's really great if we can celebrate those short-term victories and go, yes, we mm. got the permits ban. And yes, the carriage is still going. Yes, other industries are still going. But we've got something and always trying to push further. So I think that's great advice. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me on today, guys. I love the show. No worries. Thanks for being on. And we'll just finish up with a song by Kieran J. Callanan, and it's called Landslide from the album Embracium. Embracism. Embracism. (laughs) That's better. Mama's latest play, Roger has been drugged and attacked with an axe, his brother and daughter brutally killed. Roger is a rhino, a victim of poachers in South Africa. He is determined to recover. Kevin Summers and Liam Gillespie star in this short play, No Surrender, by Mike Smith, at La Mama Theatre, Carlton, February 7 to 18. Book by phone, 9347 6948 or at lamama.com.au. Because animals have feelings too. A 3CR supporter. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.